This week on Go Chuck Yourself, we're talking about Chuck versus the Leftovers. Fuck you, Justin Thoreau. Dinner last night. I've got them in my fridge. We're talking leftovers this week. Hello, my name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Aaron Arada. I got some leftovers in my tummy right now. Hey, yo. Uh, and listener, uh, you know, we're recording this this episode the weekend of Thanksgiving. But by the time you listen to it, it's going to be a couple weeks after Thanksgiving. So if you have any Thanksgiving <laughs> leftovers still in your fridge, you should probably get rid of them because they've, they've probably gone bad at this point. So this is just our very serious reminder to you to to not eat any spoiled turkey or <laughs> stuffing or anything else that's gone bad since Thanksgiving. Get rid of it. It's time to clean out your fridge. In fact, we will pause the show right here so you can go empty your fridge. Okay, okay I think they're that's done. That's taken care of. Yep. We've got more room in the fridge. We're ready for, for more uh, December treats, I guess, now in the fridge. Um, Aaron, how are how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good, good. That's that's what I like to hear. Yeah. That's the attitude that we need. This is uh, season four, episode 10, Chuck versus the Leftovers. It's it's basically the Thanksgiving episode of the season. It aired, I think, after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's kind of like appropriate for COVID times because it's like Thanksgiving is mentioned as an event that is happening, but like no one's really there. Like they, they don't really like have a Thanksgiving that like properly, you know what I'm saying? Right. They do kind of like this whole smaller leftover get together on yeah. Black Friday, which mm-hmm. seemed like a nice thing. Seemed like it was working out. Yeah, it did. I'm glad that they were all able to get together. Um, obviously, Black Friday is a big thing in Chuck. Usually Black Friday is a something that is an event at the Buy More. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a big deal. Um, this year so, we just see the aftermath. Right, which is OK. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we kind of have done the Black Friday thing before, yeah. so I was OK dealing with the aftermath. Mm-hmm. I thought that was appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I myself was <laughs> a little busy this Black Friday. Oh. Um, and I'm I'm very excited about this. So I uh I managed to get my hands on a a brand new PlayStation 5 <laughs> Did you console. Really? And in honor of the holidays, it's a time of giving, it's a time of sharing. I'd like to share, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this PlayStation 5 console to one very lucky listener. That's right. I have a PS5 right here with me that I'm going to be raffling off at the end of the show. Do you not believe that I I don't have a PlayStation 5 with me right now that I'd be willing to give away for free to one of our wonderful listeners? I think they're pretty light. Is it pretty light? Oh, it's very light. Okay. It's it's very light. Are you about to pick it up? There's hardly anything in it. Yeah, I have it in my hand, Aaron. I'm going to show you right now. All right, I'm ready. New piece of technology. Wow. This is the PlayStation 5. That's the PlayStation 5. Yes, look at that. I see it. It clearly says PlayStation 5 on it. Right. It has, there must have made a typo on it because it says PS3. But oh, I think it, kinda, I, it looked like a 5. Well, now your hand is yeah, covering Yeah, I mean, if you squint, so. it kind of looks like a 5. But I just think it's great because it's just like, it's really sturdy. You know, it has a lot of computing power. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really, this is really the next generation of gaming. It can be yours uh, if you stick around until the end of the episode when we'll, we'll raffle it off. I'll actually... Aaron, hold on. There's more. I'll I'll even throw in a controller for it right here. Um, 
this is of course the the new PlayStation Five. Oh controller. wow, that's very yeah. fancy. Yeah, it's it, they've gotten a lot of you know flack for it because it's a little bit of a departure from the normal DualShock controller. But I think I like the design. I like the color of it. I think it's um, I think it's going to be good. I think it's really going to elevate the gaming experience for for video game enthusiasts around the world. <laughs> so Black Friday is is alive and well here at Go Chuck Yourself. Yeah, we uh, might make- have um, some patrons listening right now who th- are thinking to themselves, wow, I'll do anything for that PS5. Much like a anything. character in this episode. That's right. And hopefully they are who they say they are and they're not actually a evil secret agent. It actually um, it brings us back to one of our first episodes of Go Check Yourself when I was, in fact, selling my PS. Was it two or three? You were selling your PS3. Okay, so I was selling my PS3. Now you are giving away a PS5. So that's kind of like character development, I believe. Yes, we've we've come full circle. We've just we're rolling in so much money here at Go Check Yourself <laughs> that we can just give away PlayStation 5s all willy-nilly. Right. Um this episode is directed by some guy named Zachary Levi. <laughs> Never heard of him. I, I know I haven't either. And I was just wondering, do you think he's related to like Zachary Levi, the actor who's the star of Chuck? That's interesting. Actually, you bring up a good point because I far be it for me to say that all people with the last name Levi are related, but mm-hmm. it is kind of suspect. Like, I wonder if maybe they're distant cousins or even brothers. Do you think they met at like some kind of I know they have like those conventions for twins. Do you think they oh have my a God. convention you know for those, Zachary like, Levi's? Sweatshirts they sell on Facebook that say like, it's a Zachary Levi thing. You wouldn't understand. Like maybe right, they right. both bought one of those and then they were both oh. wearing it and then they uh-huh. were like and then one of them was like, Hey, you should uh Zachary Levi, the actor who plays Chuck, was like, Hey, uh-huh. you should direct Chuck. Right. Yeah. And then he's like, Yeah, I, w- I would love to. Yeah. And uh they he they brought him on set and Incredible. he just uh did a great job. That's an inspiring story. It is. It's uh, a definitely an inspiring story and definitely a reason why you should always buy those personalized <laughs> sweatshirts and T-shirts that yeah. you see targeted towards you on yeah. Facebook and other forms of social media and banner ads, I guess. I feel like they're just kind of everywhere. Yeah, sometimes I get them on like the dictionary. On the dictionary? Yeah, like Wait. I... There, Miriam Webster's <laughs> dictionary has a lot of ads. I also oh, okay. get a lot of like Ashton Drake ads because of this podcast. Good. Yeah, that's that's good. Mm-hmm. That's that's a positive development and uh, one that you will you won't have to see those ads anymore because you'll have purchased or you'll have be an owner of one of those things very <laughs> soon, sooner than you'd expect. <laughs> Christmas is coming up. It's coming up very soon, Aaron. Very, very soon. <laughs> I know you're adopting a new cat in your life, but I just hope you have enough room in your heart for a little orangutan monkey child. Oh, exactly. The little puzzle piece of my heart has not been filled. I'm just waiting <laughs> for Coco. Well, Aaron, can you do me the the favor of filling my puzzle piece size hole in my heart by <laughs> by going over this episode of Chuck? I would love to. So you may remember um, in the previous episodes of Chuck, Chuck has lost the intersect as a result of Mary's actions. And also Ellie has found a mysterious laptop left behind by her father. Now you're up to speed. We open on just like the sexiest sight in the world, which is Alexei Volkov sitting in a desk chair backed by the Moscow skyline listening to classical music. It's very sinister as he calls Mary Bartowski in and tells her he's discovered that Agent Carmichael, a.k.a. Chuck, is still alive after they exploded Stephen's lab. 
Mary is a little nervous because, of course, she's the reason Chuck and Sarah survived, but Volkov says he blames himself for underestimating Chuck in the first place. He hands Mary a folder chock full of his best assassins and says to use them to make sure Chuck is really dead this time. Meanwhile, in America, it's Black Friday, and Morgan signed himself and Chuck up for hand-to-hand -hand combat training, which turns out to actually be pole dancing. Chuck doesn't currently have the intersect, which is why he has to train, but I did wonder if he had had the intersect, if it would have had, like, pole dancing in it. Kind of, uh, it's the same question on, like, if the intersect has, like, sex stuff in it. I'm very <laughs> curious, and I think we should get Josh Schwartz on the line and ask him. Okay, are you gonna dial no, the, no, no, the phone right saying, now? No, 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 I was just saying, no, we don't have time for that, but, but maybe later. <laughs> Uh, while Chuck and Morgan practice their jumps and spins, Morgan asks Chuck about his proposal plans, but Chuck says he's keeping everything a secret for now. Later, Chuck and Sarah are going for a nightly stroll on the peaceful tree-lined streets of somewhere I've never seen in my life, but is supposed to be Los Angeles. Los Angeles doesn't really have, like, I guess I don't spend a lot of time in Burbank, but there's a lot of things um, in the this episode and the next episode that are very real Los Angeles streets. All capitals. There, there aren't any streets in Los Angeles that look like that street that they were walking down? Yeah, there are on studio lots. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Sarah brings us back up to speed on what's been going on in Chuck's life regarding his kidnapping, his mom, etc. We find out Ellie and Awesome canceled Thanksgiving dinner, and Chuck and Sarah are heading home for leftover night. Or maybe leftover night is the next day. I don't really know. Leftover night is happening at some point. Don't worry about it. Meanwhile, the three assassins from Volkov's folder are stalking Chuck and Sarah. Chuck pauses outside a dark jewelry store with a neon sign advertising engagement rings, as you do, and that's when the assassins attack. Sarah fights one, and Chuck uses his pole dancing skills to spin around on a light pole, but that's all he can really do because he doesn't have the intersect. Just when things seem dire, the three guys fall down dead. Who is standing at the other end of a gun? Oh, it's Mary. She says, come with me if you want to live, which is a fun reference to a film she was in called The Terminator. They had to do it eventually. They and did. And now is the time. She delivered it as, uh, <laughs> as soullessly as possible. She did not really... <laughs> she uh, didn't really do an Arnold accent. <laughs> no, she uh, was kind of phoning it in, but that's okay. <laughs> Down in Castle, Chuck goes off on his mom for once again showing up out of the blue and not cluing him into her plans. She's adamant that she's trying to help him escape Volkov's murder plans, but Chuck isn't having it. Unfortunately for him, his girlfriend isn't having it either. She says Chuck needs to calm down on his own while she and Casey interrogate Mary. Also, I will note here, uh, regarding seeing her with Casey, Linda Hamilton is pretty small and I do like it. <laughs> did, did you see her when she was standing with Casey? She's just like what? a small woman. Why do you, why does that change your perception of her? Why I don't do know. Like, well, why she's do you like, like that she's small? She's kind of like a larger than life figure in Chuck's life. And I like that okay. she's actually like a normal size, like normal height. Pretty petite. Yeah. It's nice to see like a petite woman like kicking ass. Yeah. I mean, we basically see that every week with Beckman. but <laughs> That's true. I <laughs> But we don't like see it. She's usually sitting down and she's not usually standing next to Casey. So it's just nice to have that the point of petiteness driven home. OK, so you like the visual juxtaposition between the two. of them. Yes. Yes. OK, good. Because they have Thank equal you. levels of badassery, but they're different in height. So it's yes. it's interesting. Yeah, okay. it's cool. I'm sorry I gave you a hard time about that. <laughs> I apologize. I hope you'll forgive me. Thank you. So upstairs in the Buy More, Big Mike is complimenting Morgan on a successful Black Friday sale, rewarding him with a meatball sub from our friends at Subway. Yes. 
There is a lot to think about in this scene, but I did make me wonder about the pole dancing scene in the beginning and when that mm -hmm. exactly was taking place because Morgan was going from pole dancing to Black Friday, but usually Black Friday sales like start like the night before or like really early in the morning. So yeah. when when were they pole dancing? When did they find time for this in their busy schedule? Was the manager just not at the store for the beginning of Black Friday? I don't know. Well, it could have been maybe Big Mike was opening or like was working the first half of the day uh -huh. for Black Friday and Morgan was like closing that night. I guess, but it just feels like a very important day. And I think that the store manager should be present for it. OK, well, maybe you should take it up with the buy more district manager and okay. file a complaint. I'll give him a call, too. OK, you, you want to do that? No, 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 no. We don't have time. Oh, OK. All right. OK. The main important thing about this scene is that we learned that Morgan sold out of 7G smartphones, which is a thing <laughs> that they're selling. Uh, after Big Mike leaves and Morgan locks the door, an attractive woman shows up and asks to be let in to buy one of the phones. She hits on Morgan, but he says they don't have any more phones, and also he's spoken for. Another reference to Alex. Maybe she'll be in this episode. I'm so excited to see her. <laughs> As he never brings her around anymore. No, he doesn't. <laughs> As Morgan walks away, Jeff pops up from behind a box and waves to the woman, saying he'll give her a phone. We cut to Jeff and Lester in the back room, where apparently they've been hoarding the 7G phones with a plan to sell them on eBay in order to fund their demo. They do a little dance, and it's another popular Jeffster gift. I don't know if you uh, recognized it, but that's like another gift that I see pretty often. I did. That could be described as celebratory Jeffster. Yes, exactly. So over at the hospital, Ellie is sitting in an office solving the memory problem Stephen left her on his computer. Ellie works hard, and I'm not begrudging her some personal time, but she does say she's done 36 MRIs and spent all night solving the problem, which makes me nervous about what she should have been doing in the hospital during that time. I don't know if patients are being neglected or if, like, someone who needed the MRI machine couldn't use it, but uh, she's, you know, that's fine. She solved the problem. Was she performing MRIs on herself? I wasn't really clear. I wasn't. With this. Yeah, it was not clear if it was her, <laughs> if she was using other people's medical documents or if she was just like turning on the MRI machine and just like, yeah, this is how it works. I don't know. Or like, yeah, she's like, I've done 35. So was she just like going into the hallway and be like, hey, do you want a free MRI? Come on in here. And she was just like trying to get her sample size up. Yeah. And then I was like, if it was her, is it OK for women that are expecting to go into an MRI machine? Why is she using her brain? What is what exactly is Steven trying to get her to do here? It, I was very don't worry confused. about it. Why wasn't she working? She was working a 12 hour shift, but like hiding then, from like, everyone. It brought up the fact of like, so her and her and Devin canceled Thanksgiving. Like, was it implying that they canceled Thanksgiving so she could do this? Or was she like supposed to huh. be working? I'm not really clear. There's a lot of confusion here. There is. But There's a, a lot of confusion. <laughs> Uh, whatever is on the computer has something to do with how the human brain stores information. It clearly has to do with the intersect, but Ellie doesn't necessarily know that. Devin suggests they talk to Chuck, but Ellie doesn't want to tell Chuck anything in case it draws him back into spy life. Unfortunately for her, another riddle has popped up on the computer. One or eleven. Ellie has no idea what it means. Also, I want to point out... She's suddenly really pregnant, and I know, like, things can change quickly, but, like, she wasn't this pregnant in the last episode. <laughs> and she's like, she's got a huge bump now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, life comes at you fast, of, I guess. I, I guess the uh, it seems that the baby has kind of grown and then shrunk a couple of times. <laughs> there was one episode, I think, where she was it was the one where she was like talking to Mary, where she was supposed to be pregnant. But then she like wasn't really. Uh -huh. And now she is. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly what her. Uh, 
I don't know how that baby works, but it's it's there now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the gestational track <laughs> is for, for Ellie. In Castle, Casey and Sarah attempt to interrogate Mary, but Chuck is standing right outside the plate glass window and keeps calling Sarah to suggest his own questions. They get Mary to admit she took away the intersect so Chuck couldn't follow her, and she killed the assassins so they wouldn't kill Chuck. But Volkov will now know the assassins are dead via his connections in the CIA, so none of them are safe. I don't really understand this plan of hers, but okay. Upstairs, Morgan is treating himself to a foot massage, while Jeff sneaks back up to the front of the store to let the woman who wants a phone in. He seconds into telling her he'd like her to shave his back as payment when she shoots him, then Lester in the neck with a trank thing and lets a bunch of bad guys with guns and boxes and stuff into the store. They're led by (gasps) Volkov. In his office with his Subway sandwich, Morgan sees the bad guys coming in on the video monitor, so he hides in a vent and calls Chuck. Chuck is in the middle of being chewed out by Sarah and Casey for interrupting the interrogation, but that turns around pretty quickly when they turn on the security screen to see Volkov's in the store. Volkov comes over the video feed and demands that they release Frost immediately. There's a brief kind of hack-off between Casey and one of Volkov's men, who's named KK. (laughs) They fight over control of some big guns hidden in the Buy More ceiling, but eventually Volkov gains control and threatens to kill Jeff and Lester. Also during the scene, Casey says, better dead than red, which I just wanted to note because it was a pretty good line. Chuck and the rest of Team Bartowski are uh, are pretty flummoxed about what to do. Uh, the blonde woman, whose name is actually Barbara, according to IMDb. Oh, okay. Uh, t- <laughs> she looks like a Barbara, right? Uh, tells Volkov that she's detected an elevator shaft behind the home theater room, but they can't override the system, even though they detect three feet of reinforced carbine steel. Volkov tells his men to begin cutting into it anyways. So it's probably going to take them about an hour or so to cut through. In Castle, Chuck is freaking out about Jeff and Lester's imminent deaths. Sarah and Casey say that even though they've manually locked down all of the entrances to Castle, they're still sitting ducks down there since Volkov's men are going for the elevator shaft. Casey pulls out a blueprint and says that their only hope is a manual security override uh, buried deep within the Bymore. If they can reach that in time, they could put the CIA security system back online and take out Volkov and his men. Casey goes off to find this manual override, leaving Chuck and Sarah with Mary. Sarah doesn't understand why Volkov would bring in all this muscle just to rescue Mary. Chuck says that there must be something that Mary isn't telling them. Hmm. Sarah and Chuck return to Castle's uh, like main communications room, like the conference room where they do their briefings and everything. Uh, that's where they're keeping Mary. They ask her what's going on. When Volkov appears on the screen again and tells them to pick up the phone, Chuck and Sarah turn on the speakerphone and Volkov demands to know that Frost is still alive. Mary puts the speakerphone on mute and asks Chuck to turn her over to Volkov. She says that Chuck needs to trust her, to which Chuck says, I don't. Chuck addresses Volkov and Volkov brushes him aside and demands to speak to Frost directly. Frost chimes in and Volkov gets very emotional. He seems to be very concerned with how the CIA is treating her. And she tries to assure him that everything is fine. But then he says, tell them I'm not leaving here without you, my love. Uh Uh-oh. Volkov is Mary's boyfriend? Chuck's going to get a new dad and he's evil. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron, this must be hard for you. I know that you were hoping that Volkov would be available for you. Oh, God, it's I. my note during this scene was what a dream. I wish I was Mary in this situation. <laughs> what a dream. <laughs> we could only be so lucky to be held uh, hostage in a, the basement of a, an electronics store while our crazy international arms dealer boyfriend uh tries to to blow up everything. You know, we all have our fantasies, Chris. I guess that's true. <laughs> I can't really 
I can't uh, can't shade you for that. So we cut to a commercial break. But when we return, Chuck asks all the questions that we're all thinking. What's the deal? How long has this been going on between Mary and Volkov? Is this why Mary left Stephen all those years ago? Are he and Ellie going to have Russian slash British British step siblings? Mary calmly informs him that nothing ever happened between them. Volkov is just infatuated with her. This doesn't make Chuck feel better, so Mary appeals to Sarah to help Chuck understand why it would be advantageous for Volkov to be in love with her, which kind of makes sense to Chuck, but he still wants to know why she didn't eliminate eliminate Volkov when she had the chance. Mary explains that she's been trying to shut down Volkov's network this whole time. She can't just kill him. That, you know, it would not really solve the problem. She needs to shut down the whole thing. It seems like... Mary in- like- Volkov has been getting more and more powerful throughout the show of Chuck. It seems like she's doing kind of a bad job. Just just throwing that out there. <laughs> These things take a long time, Aaron. I guess that's true. Patience is a virtue. Mary insists that uh, turning her over to him right now is their only hope for survival. Chuck storms out of the room and Sarah follows him. Chuck rants that he can't trust anything, Mary says, because every time he does trust her, he ends up getting blown up or shot. Sarah implores Chuck to empathize with Mary and how hard it must be to have been assigned to Volkov all those years ago. Sarah points out that if Volkov does love Mary, he's going to be willing to negotiate to protect her. Chuck says that he's not going to hurt his mom, but Sarah points out that Volkov doesn't know that, and they could use that to their advantage to buy more time. Speaking of buy more time, (laughs) we now cut to Morgan, who's crawling around the buy more's air ducts. Ah! (laughs) Sorry, I got really excited about the air ducts making a reappearance. All of a sudden, a gun appears in his face and Morgan is alarmed, but come to find out that it's just Casey, which is a good thing because you honestly don't know who you're going to bump into <laughs> in the Buy More Air events. Could be Stone Cold Steve I Austin. wish he was there. I wish he was just could, still hanging out there. Could be Nicole Richie. That Stone Cold Steve Austin is just like, yeah, sometimes I just come here to think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he's got some candles and like a bathrobe. It's just relaxing. Oh, that sounds nice. I'm, I'm happy for him that he's found that. Anyhow, Casey uh, fills Morgan in on everything that's going on, and Morgan immediately homes in on the fact that Jeff and Lester are in danger. Morgan thinks he and Casey should go rescue Jeff and Lester, but Casey says that getting the security system back online is the top priority. Morgan suggests that he go and rescue Jeff and Lester on his own, to which Casey says that is a a stupid idea. Morgan decides that he's going to go anyways, so Casey gives Morgan some fatherly advice, and by that I mean he gives Morgan a handgun and sends him (laughs) on his way. That's Casey's kind of advice. Back in Castle, Chuck calls Volkov and tells him that if he does what they ask, he'll make sure that Frost won't get hurt. Volkov acknowledges this as a threat and decides to show Chuck and Sarah a small thermonuclear weapon that he plans to drop down the elevator shaft once his men cut through it. He says this will wipe all of them out, including Frost, uh, and he's okay with that because he knows that she'd rather die than live without him. Volkov tells Chuck that that is how you threaten someone, and then he hangs up. Aaron, you were smiling. It was just a good moment for Volkov. He was very, like, assertive, I would say. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna blow up the main characters. And the woman he loves. He's crazy. He's crazy! You, you, your smile just keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> you really got a whole, like, this whole Harley Quinn thing going on. Oh my god, Volkov. I had a dream the other night that I was in an abusive relationship with the Joker. It was a pretty good dream! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Just Um, just move on from that. We'll talk about it later. In the back room of the Bymore, Morgan successfully finds Jeff and Lester knocked out against the side of the cage. He climbs down from the vent, but knocks over a box of pins, which he must then walk across barefoot without making too much noise. 
uh, which he fails to do. I guess we haven't really said it explicitly at this point, but what Morgan's doing right now is this whole uh, homage to Die Hard. He's wearing just the the white tank top. He's barefoot. He's crawling through the vents. These are all what John McClane does in in Die Hard. Die Hard takes place on Christmas. This is on Black Friday. They really like doing like their holiday episodes being homages to Die Hard. They do. And I think they really they really went for it this time. There's going to be more allusions to it later, but I just wanted to make sure that we're we're all on the same page about that. But Morgan has to walk across these pins. He immediately kind of like yelps because it hurts walking across pins with no shoes on. Um, one of Volkov's men comes rushing in and holds Morgan at gunpoint before Casey runs up and knocks the man out. Casey hears someone coming, so he pushes Morgan into a storage closet for hiding. This happens to be the same storage closet that Jeff and Lester were using to hide their contraband 7G smartphones. So Morgan sees this and is immediately disappointed. So with the 7G thing, 7G phones, not not a thing. What? Still, 10 years later, this is still not a thing. We're just like getting to 5G, correct? Am I correct with that? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. Um, That is my understanding of G's, yes. Yes, that's what the whole thing now is. People are 5G. Yeah. So do you think that they did 7G, thinking that by the time, in between the time that this episode was written and aired, that 7G would become the new standard? That they would have be... gone up, um, because I, I feel like we were maybe at 3G at the point when this episode aired. Sure, so they yeah. think we would have gone up 4Gs in the span of a couple months. I mean, it's kind possible. Of... Steve Jobs was still alive at this point. <laughs> It, I guess it's possible that, that technology curve can be kind of exponential sometimes. Um, well, I thought it was kind yeah. of like it It would be kind of the equivalent of if like they were doing like a PlayStation thing and they said like, ah, the PS20 is out. Like it was just kind right. of like a little bit cheeky. Uh, just kind of a hyperbolic yeah. kind of. Yes, that is how to I technology. took it. OK, that makes sense. But I also did Google does 7G exist. Where can I get a 7G phone? I want one. I, I'll get you a 7G phone, Aaron. I'll make that Oh, happen. do you have one right right there in your hand? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I feel like this would be a very similar situation to when my grandfather purchased a smart smartwatch on his own, and it arrived, and it was basically the smartwatch equivalent of a pet rock. Oh, good. It did not turn on, did not do anything. It's just a, a fake smartwatch that he purchased. All right, here's what I learned. It is a fact that at present there is no country in the world where 7G or 8G is being provided. Internet speed may be higher than you think, but it does not mean that there is a 7G or 8G network in that country. There you go. Okay. It sounds a little I defensive, though. I feel like maybe there is 7G. How much faster can the internet get? I mean, we're talking simultaneously on two sides of the country in real time. I don't know how how much faster do we need? How much faster does it go? Okay, well, Chris is against progress. You heard it here first. <laughs> no, I'm just confused. I don't know where else there is to go. You just can't even imagine it. Your mind is so small. It is small. Thank you for, for pointing <laughs> that out. Uh, meanwhile, Barbara... Small like Lin the Linda Hamilton. Your brain is a petite... The equivalent of a petite woman. I like, yeah, I think that makes sense. Meanwhile, the blonde lady Barbara from before and some other guy uh, enter the back room and point their guns at Casey. A third guy comes around the corner too, which means that Casey is surrounded. Casey hands over his gun and Volokhov's men take him away, which they take him away, but ultimately bring him back to the same back room anyways. So I'm not really clear where they're taking him right now. Uh, while this is going on, 
Chuck and Sarah evidently decide that they do not want to die in a thermonuclear explosion. So they bring Mary up to the home theater room. There's a declassified scene here where Chuck is in Castle's armory wearing his tactical vest and loading an assault rifle. And Sarah comes in and asks what's going on. And Chuck says that they're going to bring Mary up to Volokov. And Sarah says, okay. Great. Okay, good. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. Seeing Chuck and Sarah escort Mary to the sales floor from the secret elevator, Volkov says that he will stand by his word and refrain from hurting them since they brought back his his beloved Frost. However, he does tell them that he has taken Casey hostage. Volkov asks Chuck and Sarah to put down their weapons, so they do. Mary thanks Volkov for coming for her, and he says that he had no choice and gives her a long hug. He tells her that he has just one last thing he needs to take care of and punches Chuck in the stomach, knocking him down. Volkov takes out his gun and tells Mary that he hopes she views this as a romantic gesture. He then aims his gun at Chuck, but Mary tells him that he can't shoot Chuck, and Volkov asks why not, and there's a suspenseful moment, and then Mary says, because he's my son! (gasps) Volkov has a hard time believing this, but uh, eventually comes around. Mary tries to maintain her cover and says that Chuck knowingly uses her love for him against her. Uh, Volkov wants to know why Mary never told him that he had a son before, and Mary said that uh, since Volkov runs a multinational crime syndicate, there's not a lot of room for family, especially family that works for the CIA. Volkov asks her what she thought he would do if he found out that she had a family. At this point, Volkov's tech guy, KK, comes over and tells him that there's a phone call coming into the store, but Volkov doesn't care because he's trying to process all of his emotions. Um... Things get a bit more dramatic when KK says that the call is from one Ellie Bartowski and Volkov is over the moon. He's always wanted a daughter. He he has a daughter. We find that out later. What? Sorry, that's that's a spoiler for like season five, but he does have a daughter. I guess that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. Uh, So Volkov is intrigued by this. He asks Chuck if he knows uh ellie bartowski and chuck denies it but then volkov sees chuck's employee of the month poster and realizes that carmichael has some kind of connection to the name bartowski chuck fumbles and says that he is related to ellie but she's a distant relative to which volkov turns on the phone and ellie asks chuck if he's still coming over for dinner chuck says that he's tied up with work but ellie insists because they didn't get to celebrate thanksgiving together chuck says that he'll try to make it and volkov hangs up the call he then approaches frost and says that he can't believe that she didn't tell him about her children and then says with complete sincerity in what might be one of my favorite lines <laughs> from this series of all time, kids love me. To it's which great. Chuck is very confused. Uh, I don't know how to make gifts, but I would like to make a gif of him saying kids love me and then Chuck looking very perplexed. We'll work on it. I did take screenshots of both of them and I enjoyed it immensely. Um, Volkov says that he'll prove Frost wrong and goes over to Chuck embraces him and kisses him on the lips and says, call your sister back and tell her that you're coming to dinner and that you're bringing some guests. Ah, what a dream. What a twist. (laughs) What a twist as well. So so now the dream is also to have Thanksgiving with Volkov. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Cut to Sarah and Chuck leading Volkov and his men into the apartment complex. Mary tries to tell Chuck that things look bad, but they need to remain calm. Chuck angrily points out that he's pretty calm considering Mary just brought a psychotic killer to her pregnant daughter's doorstep. Mary says that everything will be fine. Chuck just needs to trust her. And Chuck says, yeah, I've heard that before, mom. That was a good Chuck impression. Teenagers, they're just so hard to get through. <laughs> they're just doing their own thing. Yep. They have like their their first girlfriend and they're just, they think they're a secret agent and they're just trying to 
<laughs> trying to save the day. Are you telling me that uh, Chuck is actually like a fever dream of like a 14 year old boy? Yes, I think that would make a lot more sense. Yeah, I think it checks out. And it would make sense why you, as a 14-year-old boy, related to it so much. Right. Maybe it was because didn't Chuck as a child see the intersect yes. when Stephen was working on it? Uh-huh. So maybe Chuck saw it and passed out and he's actually like in a coma. Wow. All the events of Chuck have been from that little boy's coma dreams. This is very depressing. <laughs> Well, let's cheer it up. Let's let's have some Thanksgiving leftovers and play charades. Uh, Mary approaches Volkov and reminds him that Ellie and Devin are civilians. And Volkov says, of course, and that he doesn't want to scare her family away. He just wants to get to know them. Ellie opens the door and is taken aback to see Mary Volkov and Volkov's men. Devin comes up and introduces himself to Mary, at which point I remember that Devin had not actually met Mary mm-hmm. before when she was here, um, which I was like, oh, that's awkward. Yep. Uh, as Mary enters the apartment, Volkov puts his arms around Chuck and Sarah and says that he wants them to have fun tonight, but he will be very upset if he senses that they are plotting against him. Volkov says that he needs tonight to be perfect, and if it's not the perfect Thanksgiving, he'll take it out on the people that Chuck loves. This episode took a very weird turn. <laughs> it did, yeah. <laughs> I was surprised. I'm very pleased with it, but it's I admittedly, like, as I was writing my notes, I was like, where I started writing my <laughs> notes and where I'm ending writing my notes are in very vastly different That's true. <laughs> narratives. But um, we then cut to dinner where Mary reminisces about her last Thanksgiving that she spent with Chuck and Ellie. Um, some sleuths on IMDb pointed out that Mary basically lies here because <laughs> all the times, like the different timestamps that we see before would suggest that Mary actually was present after this Thanksgiving significantly. Um, Cause she says that the last one was like 1990, but we see her in flashbacks in like 1993 or something okay. like that. Mm-hmm. So she may be lying. She may just have misremembered. She might be a bad mom. Maybe all <laughs> of the above. Who knows? Ellie then turns to Volkov and asks if Volkov can explain what happened to her mom all those years ago, since they work together and Ellie seems to trust Volkov. Uh, Mary cuts Volkov off and says on the count of three, one, two, three. It's complicated. It's complicated. Volkov gives Ellie some non-answer about how sometimes good is bad and bad is good and that people are ethically ambiguous creatures. Volkov is channeling a kind of somewhat evil spin on Tuttle. He's not like full Tuttle, but he's not like full Volkov. He's kind uh, of like yes. a Tuttle with a little bit of a a little bit of funk to it. Do you have any uh, <laughs> um do you have any notes about how this scene is filmed? Did you notice um, anything? Dutch style? <laughs> is that is that true? Is well, that's that a what, term? Because isn't it like the camera's kind of like at an angle? So yeah, well it was like, like kind of an angle. Zachary Levi, the director, was making some choices, I thought. There were a lot he of was. close-ups, there were a lot of like weird angles kind of uh emphasized the the sinister mood of the scene yeah i thought all of that uh worked really well yeah volkov explains that as mary's handler he was able to convince the cia that mary is in fact good which means that she may finally get to come home devin and ellie think this is good news but chuck and sarah are very skeptical and concerned it's very tense and very uncomfortable and i'd say a proficient level of awkwardness for thanksgiving dinner is that what your note said that was a that was a joke, and Aaron responded with a big <laughs> yawn. Because you get it, Thanksgiving dinner is awkward. Yeah, that's true. All right, fine. I thought that was going to get a much bigger laugh. Whatever. Volkov then continues to say that he knows that Mary's disappearance was hard for Chuck and Ellie, 
and that he's happy to be able to finally reunite them since family is the most important thing. Back in the Bymore, Morgan is locked in the utility closet while Casey, Jeff, and Lester are being held at gunpoint. He's their only hope, so he tries to come up with a plan, eventually settling on a roll of tape. If this is a diehard reference, I don't know, but uh, that's that's what happens. What it is, is it? It's yes, because at the end in the well, climax I, of Die Hard, I understand that that's probably what happens at the end. But is the like actually like pulling out a roll of tape? Is that a diehard reference? Yes. Okay. Because he actually he ends up taping a gun to his back using one of those tape guns. It's a good plan. This is a good plan. It works in Die Hard pretty well. Yeah. Spoiler alert. At leftover night, the Bartowskis and Volkov are playing a rousing game of charades, which involves Volkov doing a lot of hip thrusting and hip movements. I wanted to ask you, um, do you have any guesses about what Volkov's... um, He says it's a film, and it's three words. Chuck repeatedly guesses the Bourne identity. Um, Do you have any ideas based on the clues? Um, I have an idea, just... It's it's not Batman Forever. That was one of the other no, guests, right? No, it's not Batman Forever. He says three words, so it has to be... Um, I don't know exactly which movie it is, but I have to assume that it's a James Bond reference because at one point he says sounds like and then paw, which um, I guess paw to... Paw, I, when I was watching it, I was like, ah, paw, Bond. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I feel like it has to be a James Bond reference, right? I, I don't know. I was... I didn't really think about if it was actually something. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing. Get Josh Schwartz on the phone right now. He's doing the chicken dance at some point, right, though? Yeah, you know, James Bond, the chicken dance. But it's it's three words. All right, let's look up uh, Timothy Dalton. Oh, okay. Um, James Bond movies. How about License to Kill? That Would that make sense? He was in that one, and that's three words? That's three words. He was in that one. I don't know what the chickens... I haven't seen it, so... Ooh, wow. All right, now I'm just looking at him and James Bond. His face is so smooth. I kind of want to rewatch the charade scene now to see if I can pick up on anything. Okay, well, we don't have time. We'll do it later. Um, (laughs) (laughs) While everyone is trying to guess, Chuck appeals to Devin. He says that despite appearances, Volkov is actually an arms dealer and a very bad man. And even though Devin is the world's worst liar, Chuck needs Devin to help take Volkov down. Also, Chuck has been spying again. Devin reluctantly agrees to help for the good of Ellie and his unborn daughter, so he pretends they're out of sugar and that he needs to head over to Chuck and Sarah's to borrow some. Apparently, Volkov won't suspect anything of Devin since he's a civilian. I don't really buy this, but it's what we're going with. Devin sneaks out with the sugar bowl and into Chuck and Sarah's, where he finds the -the under-the-couch weapons locker. He takes a gun, a CIA emergency alert, and some actual sugar, and heads back home. He covertly gives Sarah the gun, then pretends his phone is ringing, and he and Ellie need to head back to the hospital. Volkov helps them out of the courtyard, all smiles, but the heartwarming scene turns into a standoff once Devin and Ellie are gone. Sarah pulls her gun on Volkov, then Mary pulls her gun on Sarah, which, again, seems kind of like a weird plan, because then Volkov takes Sarah's gun and threatens to shoot her, and Mary has to point her gun at him to get him to stop. So I'm kind of confused on if Mary's like a little bit dumb or if she's on just a whole other level of smart and she's just thinking way far ahead. It's kind of unclear. Either way, she tells Volkov that she's loyal to him, but she will never love a man who would hurt her family. So she'll only go back to Russia with him if he can ensure her family remains safe. He's impressed by this and agrees, so they all head off. Chuck finally tells his mom that he trusts her. In the Bybor, Morgan stumbles out of the supply closet with like really bloody feet. They're just so bloody. 
He has his hands up and says he surrenders, but then goes to grab the gun he's apparently taped to his back in this Die Hard reference that uh, Chris is referring to. Only, unlike uh, John McClane, Morgan can't reach the gun, so it's all kind of embarrassing. A lot of back humor in this episode. <laughs> Fortunately for Morgan... <laughs> I'm going to wait for you to stop laughing. There is, though. <laughs> there is. Which, <laughs> that's why it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that, that tickled that, that my fancy. That got you. Fortunately for Morgan, Volkov has actually called his team off. So they say he, Casey, and Jeff and Lester are free to go. Casey asked Morgan what they should do with Jeff and Lester. Apparently, they leave them in the closet with their stolen phones because Big Mike finds them the next morning and reprimands them. He doesn't fire them, though. He just kind of is like, ah, you scamps. In a trademark courtyard conversation, Chuck wishes he could have trusted his mom instead of being angry at her. But Sarah tells him that his mom is currently the only thing keeping them safe from Volkov. They're interrupted by Devin, who is pissed that Chuck is spying again and put Ellie and him in danger. To get spy stuff entirely out of his life, Devin gives Chuck Steven's laptop. In Castle, Chuck opens it and recognizes the 1 or 11 code as something to do with Blackjack. So he types in Aces Charles and hits enter. Intersecty images pop up on the screen and Chuck watches them, then falls down. When he gets up, he has the intersect again. Yay! Hooray! Everything's back to normal. He's got the intersect again. Yep, and was, that uh, is where we end. Three episodes where he didn't have the intersect, maybe. Mm-hmm. In this in this sequence, perhaps. Um, well, it was a, it was a Black Friday miracle. It Chuck was, got the yeah. Intersect and it was for free. What a great deal. You didn't have to do anything. <laughs> Much like uh, the uh, PlayStation 5 that you have in your hands right now. You've been holding right. it the whole episode. This, this genuine, real PlayStation 5 that I absolutely have and will be giving away to one person. Um, so yes, that is Chuck versus the Leftovers. What a, uh, a, a big episode, I would say. It was it's meaty. A, a, Much like a Thanksgiving turkey. Very meaty. But not too dry, just moist enough to be very, very desirable. Something else uh, that is moist <laughs> is our segment, Chuck, Mary Kill. Chris, you want to tell us about it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chuck, Mary Kill is definitely one of our moistest segments. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a little, some might say it's too moist. I think it's just about, it's just the right level of moist. Um, we pick one part of this episode that we'd like to marry and one part of this episode that we would like to kill. Aaron, what would you like to marry this week? So I was really impressed um, with Devin's performance in this episode. I always kind mm. of like to see um, Devin showing a bit more emotion as opposed to his like typically very funny, but uh, his awesome side when he's just kind of more bro-y. I thought it was kind of nice to see him like really caring for Ellie um, in a way that wasn't stifling, but was actually like he was angry that Chuck brought um timothy dalton volkoff into their home and i thought that was really um it was a nice moment for him and it was a short moment within the span of the show but it did add some plot elements um it was a cool choice of his to just give the laptop to chuck and say like i don't want to know anything um i thought that uh his performance in this episode was small was petite but it packed a punch much like linda hamilton who is not my mary for this week you uh, are really uh, picking up on the petite. I am, really enjoying yes. petite things this this week. Um, this week, I would have to. I'm going to have to try to steal Timothy Dalton away oh, from no! you. Oh uh, no! I would like to marry his performance. Okay. I enjoyed it immensely. As long as it's just um, his performance and not him, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, he showcased a lot of range 
and many different sides of Volkov this week. There was scary Volkov. There's like business Volkov. Mm-hmm. There's uh, goofy charades Volkov. It sounds like you're describing um, like different uh, Barbies with like different outfits. <laughs> yes, this holiday season, make sure you you go to your nearest toy store and order the new Volkov action figures <laughs> and get them all. Uh, charades Volkov, thermonuclear Volkov that comes with like a little bomb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I thought it was really fun. I was like, man, this this guy's uh, a gem. We, we are lucky to have him in Chuck. Uh, and he might be maybe too early to say, but he might be the, the best Chuck villain. Wow. That's just what I'm thinking. I'm uh-huh. starting to have those thoughts. Okay. So, so for my kill, um, I understand that this is part of a Die Hard reference and it's part of a larger sequence. Um, but Morgan stepping on thumbtacks was really upsetting to me. It didn't feel like you can completely disagree with me. I'm sure a lot of people who have seen Die Hard viewed this as like a nice, like funny moment. But it just that kind of um, like more visceral violence isn't usually a part of Chuck. And even though Mm -hmm. it's a relatively small thing, like we were watching a man like act as if he was stepping on dozens and dozens of thumbtacks and then walking around with them in his feet. And then we saw a lot of blood. And again, I know it's a Die Hard reference, and I'm sure it was really fun to people who have seen Die Hard, which I have not, but it just felt at odds with the usual version of violence we see in Chuck, and it just disturbed me so much that I would rather keep the tape to the back thing, keep the crawling through the vents, keep all of those things, but the stepping on the tacks just, yeah. Well, it sounds like you got to take it up with this uh, Zachary Levi director guy. All right, I'll give him a call, but not right now. Do you want? Okay. Um... I guess I would kind of I want to kill the the pole dancing class okay. scene. Um, like when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is one of those scenes in the opening act that feels like a throwaway scene. Uh-huh. But then it actually proves to be pretty important later uh-huh. on. Uh, no, no, I don't really think it was that. I mean, I didn't even realize that. I guess Chuck uses it in that opening confrontation. Yes, he does. Briefly. Briefly. And that's it. I yeah. thought it was going to be something that was like. At the then the third act or towards the end of the episode, Chuck and Morgan would be like in a situation where they need to fight a bunch of bad guys. And yeah, around I'm surprised that that didn't pole. happen. Yeah, um, like a, a North Pole, like a holiday kind of thing. Um, oh, that would be cool. But that didn't happen. So the the class didn't really make sense because it was like, is this Black Friday? When is this happening? Yeah. Just a random useless scene. Uh, so <laughs> I would get rid of that if I could. Uh, Do you remember Flirty Girl Fitness? Do you remember those ads? Uh, no. There were, I feel like maybe it was like MTV and VH1 had them a lot. Um, Mm. it was like, uh, you would, you would get a poll and then like video, like exercise videos. And it was called Flirty Girl Fitness. And you would be able to like learn pole dancing in the comfort of your own home. (laughs) That's all. Just just think, I think about it a lot. Something I think about a lot is the scooter scale. (laughs) And how we use it every week to determine how many corn dogs we'd like to give each episode on a scale of zero to five. Uh, Aaron, how many corn dogs would you like to give Chuck so, the leftovers? Based on what you've been saying thus far, I could be reading this entirely wrong, but I feel like we are going to differ in our scores on this episode. Oh, um, okay. When we started, my score was two corn dogs, but I have really? bumped it up to two point five over the course of our conversation because wow, it reminded me you reminded me of some things that I liked about this episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, in my original perception, just like having watched the episode, I I made my score right after watching it. 
kind of a lot of it felt the way you were describing the um, pole dancing scene of just like a lot of things didn't really make sense, didn't like threads like. I think you are describing the fact that there's like a, a huge turn in um, in how the episode seems to be going and then where it ultimately goes as like a positive comedic thing. And I do agree mm -hmm. that Volkov's turn is funny, but I think it makes a lot of um, Mary's situation and larger plot elements a little bit confusing for me. I didn't really understand Mary's plan other than that she wanted to protect Chuck at all costs. Like it was a little bit weird that it was like, oh, Mary's being held hostage. Oh, actually, they need to let her out, and then Volkov is going to shoot them, but actually, Mary said she was never going to admit Chuck as her son, but then she does. Then Volkov is, like, into it, and, like, why does he not have any amount of distrust for Ellie and Devin? Like, why does he... I There was just... Uh, it brought up a lot more questions for me um, that I don't think were entirely answered, and I think the result was a very funny scene where we have um, Timothy Dalton being able to express a lot of different characters, um, a lot of different moods, which is a lot of my like positive feelings about this episode. But I think my negative feelings are kind of like, I don't really understand um, the Mary Volkov relationship um, and what Mary is trying to do do and how she is protecting Chuck and how Chuck is in danger and what Volkov knows and what he doesn't know. Um, and the Morgan Casey diehard plotline felt like also funny, but didn't have a lot of substance behind it, I would say. So that's my feelings. Okay. Yeah. Now bring us back up, Chris. I was going to give this episode a 4.5 wow. out of 5. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I am always a fan of episodes that keep it local to to Castle and that to the true. Buy More. Mm -hmm. And this was no exception. I appreciated that they had a different take on Black Friday and Thanksgiving than we've seen before. I felt like this was a, a good way to handle it. I really I was excited that Mary and Volokov came back and that they were in the Buy More. I also really love how they escalated the situation by taking it from the Buy More to the apartment complex. Uh, I felt like they kind of, even though there's no bomb necessarily at the apartment complex i feel like the stakes are almost higher so the drama kind of is increased um i always hope for those kinds of strange twists so i was on board and pleased when with mary bringing volokov to thanksgiving dinner mm -hmm. and the tension and humor uh that was in that with with charades and everything and how stressed chuck and sarah were um i did not mind the b plot with morgan and mm -hmm. casey uh in the whole diehard thing and i actually wish we got more of that yes i think if we if we had gotten more of it, I feel like I would have felt differently about it. Right. It kind of because they did something weird with a they resolved it after the resolution of yeah. the A plot, mm -hmm. which was kind of strange. Mm -hmm. They don't usually do that. So, yeah, I, I think this was a a particularly enjoyable episode for me. So and in so, some ways, this was, if not the season, at least the episode of Chris. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I guess there would be worse episodes to be affiliated with. Um, so I think this Zachary Levi guy, whoever he is, I think he's got he's got some potential as yeah. a director. I hope to Glad see they, more of him in the future. I hope they they uh, like keep him around the set. Yeah, you know? that would be I nice. They, I hope he's like a friend to yeah. the cast and mm -hmm. everything. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Aaron, why don't you take us home with the lesson of the week? Why don't you send us home with our leftovers, uh, our doggy bag, if you will, the lesson of the week? Okay. Um, so this is a line that I believe Lester says um, regarding the 7G smartphones. He says, these 7G smartphones can send and receive text messages, 
which is something I didn't know about 7G smartphones and is something that I was very excited to learn. What about you? My lesson of the week is, if you think about it, if Morgan and Alex had children, the children's grandfathers would be Big Mike and Casey. I mean, that is a lesson. This wasn't communicated explicitly in this episode, but it was a realization I had while watching this episode. And I just thought that that would be very wacky. I don't think they could do any better, to tell you the truth. I don't think so either. I feel like Big Mike probably has like fun grandpa energy uh-huh. in case he would be the not fun grandpa. Well, but um, the yin and yang, probably. As we all know, I have a lot of experience with being the fun grandma. Right. Aaron has fun grandma <laughs> energy despite being uh, not a grandmother. Yet. <laughs> Yet. But when it happens in. Well, you know, OK, many- if I marry Timothy Dalton, I feel like I will have grandkids. And then you would be the fun grandma or the hated grandma because they'd be like, I can't believe this is ridiculous. Why did he marry someone so young? This is classic. My dad This is such bullshit. I can't believe he did this. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see which one it is. So now I guess it's the the big time that everyone's been waiting for. Time to uh, raffle off this big rectangular black PlayStation 5 that I got my hands on. Uh, I guess I need to also find the cables for it because right now it is just an empty console or a, a bare console. And this one singular silver controller that has green, red, yellow, and uh, gray buttons. You're really it. painting a picture for our audience here, Chris. Well, that's what it, this is an oral medium. That's what it's all about. I got to get into these people's ears and I got to I got to paint up all in these people's ears. OK, so how are we doing this <laughs> raffle? Um, uh, I guess I'll draw a, a ticket out of this uh, raffle jar that I have. Oh, right I see. Here. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll just swish my hand around. Uh, and the ticket is, uh, oh my god, Aaron, what? You, won the, you won! I won the PlayStation 3? Yeah, I put your name in there, uh, it was just a fun thing. Two so. years after I got rid of my PlayStation 3, now I am upgrading to a PlayStation 5. So excited. That's right, that may or may not be a PlayStation 3 with a GameCube controller. I'll give you my, my information um, off air. Great, and I will send it to you. I'm not going to put these things in a box because boxes are expensive. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'll just kind of slap the address on it and just oh, yeah, put it yeah. in a mailbox. I've heard you can and... do that with uh, bananas, so I can't imagine why you wouldn't be able to do it with a PlayStation. Correct. It's the Banana PlayStation Act of <laughs> Banana PlayStation Postage Act of uh, 1967. Yes, of course. Yes. A really groundbreaking piece of legislature. Okay. Well, I'm excited. I'm going to go uh, buy some games for PlayStation Five. Excellent. Uh, I'm excited to have concluded this episode. I, I it was a, a wonderful time. I had some laughs specifically about all the back humor that was going on. <laughs> uh, and I hope to see you again next week for everyone here. My name is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food, especially Thanksgiving food, is sexy. And my name is Aaron Arada, letting you know that anything is possible. Like Volkov showing up on your door all cold and hungry on Thanksgiving, oh, the day after Thanksgiving only. night. Please, sir, can I have some Thanksgiving food? Oh, I would give him a lot of my Thanksgiving food. You give give him your yams? Yes. Yams and gams. See you later. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to go check yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.